It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Well, welcome back to Beyond the Building. This is Debbie Kiever. I'm here with Laura Pereno. And Laura, we have enjoyed this month with our special guests, from the word of God. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. It's a different month. <laughs> yes, right. It was a little bit hard to get them on a podcast, but we just opened our word and there it was. And so we've been, we're wrapping up our month called Unmasked um, as we have taken a look at Mephibosheth and Esther. And last week was Mary Magdalene. And today our last two guests are the two men who encountered Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And each one of these stories um, is a, is a, it's unique in the in the unmasking that God does in their lives and then how it correlates to our lives. And so today, the theme we're calling this podcast, Unmasking His Presence on the Road to Emmaus. It's based on the scriptures in Luke 24, 13 to 35, if you want to kind of use that as your reference. But I think I, if we have to over, put an overview of this podcast, I would say, it is possible for somebody who can say, I've been a Christian for X amount of years, but I don't feel like I see his involvement in my day-to-day life. I, I wish I did. I hear people talk about how they're so close to Jesus. There's, they use words like intimacy and, and I desire the things that he desires. And, and perhaps you're the person that goes, I really don't get that. How can you be in a church? How can you be serving in a church, how can you say you've been a Christian a long time and yet not really understand in the day-to-day how God is relevant to your life? And so for you, this unmasking his presence, um, we're going to take a look at two gentlemen in the word of God who experienced this and then draw the parallels into our own lives. So just to kind of recap, where are we? This verse 13 starts up with now that same day, that same day should make you wonder, well, what was the day? It's the day that Jesus resurrected from the dead. Two of them, these are two men, were going along to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Debbie, can you imagine uh, this story? Can you imagine? I love the stories that we've been talking about this month because I'm visualizing them like as I see them playing out. I mean, these guys are walking, listening to each other talk about the events of the past couple of days. I'm attempting to process uh, all they had seen and experienced. This had been a big couple of days and there was a lot to talk about. Yeah, It was emotional. Yeah. Yeah, the facts that we thought that all of the stuff that you can imagine uh, they'd be saying to each other on their journey. And then suddenly, suddenly, uh, yeah, there's like, a, ah! a yeah <laughs> third man walking with them. And here they are in this, this deep conversation. This third individual comes up. Uh, we know that that third individual was Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. But the Bible tells us that they did not recognize him. In fact, the word actually says... Uh, that they were kept from recognizing him. Now, I love 
as you do and our listeners do every word in the word of God, right? There's a there's a relevance to every word. And if you look up that they were kept from recognizing him, that kind of makes you go, hmm, I wonder what does that mean? And if you look in commentaries, it doesn't really shed a clear light as to why this happened. You know, why were they kept from recognizing him? Did God prevent them from recognizing him at that moment? Uh, did he look, uh, you know, really different than they had seen him in the past? Or at least just recently, the last time that they saw him, he was, you know, he had been beaten and flogged and crucified. Um, or we all know that when we're going through a season of grief or confusion or stress or whatever it might be, uh, we can get preoccupied. And sometimes things just don't, uh, they don't appear the way that they did. And, and uh, Debbie and I talk about this, like how many times have you seen somebody outside of church or have you seen out somebody outside of work at the grocery store? And and it takes you a second to recognize who they are, right? I mean, especially me, I worked in a hospital, so you had hospital hair and <laughs> you had you had a hospital gown on. That's, That's so true. A little awkward, you know, That's a little so awkward. true. That's so true. So we're really not sure um, why they were kept from recognizing him. The, the point is that they had uh, walked away with Jesus in this chapter. They had been walking with him. They've been listening to him share, speak, talk, and uh, and they missed the truth that they were walking with Jesus. But last uh, week, we talked about Mary Magdalene. And if you remember her story, they're not the only ones who didn't recognize the, the resurrected Jesus when they first saw them. You know, Jesus, Mary Magdalene also did not recognize Jesus right away, and she thought he was the gardener. I mean, in fact, Jesus says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? I mean, he kept a straight face. You know, what are you talking yeah, about? Exactly, exactly. And, and the, the Bible says that their faces still, like they stood, their faces were so downcast. Mm. And they kind of look at him confused. And they're like, well, where have you been? You know, have you have you even been anywhere near Jerusalem? Because everybody knows mm. what's going on over the past few days. I mean, it was traumatic. This was not like you're quote, normal crucifixion. This was a completely different situation. And Jesus straight face says, can you fill me in? Like what <laughs> happened? Again, he's just, he's tricky. That they, <laughs> they just start recapping the events. They, they talk about Jesus, the prophet, you know, the one moving in God's power amongst the people. And I just want to mention too, that these two gentlemen are not one of the 11 disciples that traveled with Jesus, because later on in the scripture, it says that they went and they, you know, convened with the 11 disciples. So these are not two of those disciples, but they had followed him. They knew what was going on in, uh, in Jesus's ministry. Cause they're describing about the way he moved in God's power among the people. And they talked about how Jesus was handed over and he went through the sentencing to death and then he was crucified. And, and they're sharing about their disappointment. Like we actually thought maybe he could have been the one mm. like the Messiah, but I guess this is, this isn't, you know, we were wrong, mm. but then they're confused because now they're sharing about these reports. The women are talking about there's angels and there's an empty tomb and we can't find the body. And now there's disciples that have gotten word back to them that they went to the tomb and there's no Jesus to be found anywhere. So they're, they're saying all this to Jesus, who I think is probably just keeping a straight face somehow. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think I would have done so well, kind of like surprise. But, you know, this is not the way that Jesus operated. Debbie, as you're talking, 
I'm just hearing all of this conversation between these disciples and now with Jesus too. And it's just sounding um, like a whole lot of assumptions or uh, confused thoughts, you know, not knowing what's going on. And I love that in the place where they're confused and they're uh, disappointed and they're unsure of what's happening and they're trying to make sense of everything, Jesus at this point, when everything sounds like confusion around him, right, and nobody's really understanding or seeing the point clearly, Jesus takes it back to the written word. Jesus always, how many times, Deb, when he's talking up until now, I mean, this could have been another clear indicator. Hmm. Maybe we're in the, maybe we're in the presence of Jesus because how many times did he say in his ministry, like, uh, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus always took it back to the written word. And we can talk about, you know, different words for the word word in the Bible. This particular, when we're talking about taking it back to the written word, we're talking about taking it to the logos word. The logos word is the written word penned on the page, right? That is uh, being lived out. So the graphy is the written word. The logos is that written word that is being lived out. And so Jesus is showing how the written word is being lived out and all of the prophecies about the uh, coming Messiah. He's telling them about himself as he points back to the importance of going to the word, and yet they still missed it. And every time, I feel like every time we're doing one of these episodes and we say something like, and yet they still missed it, Debbie. I'm, I, every time I say that, I go, and how many times have I missed it? Right. Oh, so yeah. that's, let's just put that out there. We're all on the <laughs> same page here. Uh, but they all approach the village and they invite Jesus to join them in for a meal still not understanding who uh, they're speaking to. And it says, when he was at, I'm in verse 30, when he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? There's so much I love about that verse. I just love God's word so much. But at this moment, when Jesus comes to the table with them, when he breaks the bread, when he gives thanks and gives it to them, Deb, then their eyes were open. His presence was unmasked and they combined the written logos word, the graphy that was being lived out with the rhema word, the rhema word being the revelatory word. And it was an experience they had remembered having with Jesus. He, Jesus was known for doing things uh, in the out of the box way. Yes. You know, I think of his ways of healing people. He, he didn't need to pull out oil and lay hands and pray a certain prayer. Sometimes he would spit and make mud and put it on somebody's eyes and, and they would be healed. Sometimes he would just speak the word and he wasn't even with them and they were healed. I mean, he just, he would tell somebody who was lame, just stand up. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I mean, we say, well, Jesus did that. And he, and he stood up. When is the last time you saw somebody who was confined to a wheelchair and you said, just stand up. And in full confidence, know that they're going to get up. So Jesus Mm. was known for doing things in an unexpected way. He would show up in forgiveness when what would be expected would be anger. You know, he, uh, gosh, I think of even in the garden when he was arrested, 
he shows up in an unexpected way and puts an ear back on a servant in the midst of his being arrested, he stops and he heals somebody. I mean, it's just so different. Jesus broke the mold on the way things would be done. And so when he just showed up out of nowhere, I mean, you and I can read that in the scripture, but when's the last time somebody just showed up out of nowhere? Yep. You know, except maybe a Zoom, <laughs> I will say, except maybe yeah, a, a yeah, Zoom exactly. bomber, we did, we did yes. experience that, but, but it, physically somebody just who was not there before. Yeah. And at this point, after Jesus is resurrected, he's doing this a bit. He's showing up in rooms, you know, that were locked and he, and then he just disappears again. Just is, it's just different. Like that's not mm. what the normal is. He also, mm. they weren't expecting to see him. He had been buried. Mm. I mean, they saw him, you know, his flogging and his crucifixion, his body torn up. And the word says that he hardly even looked human because mm. he was shredded so, so much. And yet here he is very, very much alive, speaking very clearly about the logos word from the old, from the old Testament there, they weren't ready for it. They just, you know, like, how can you actually stand next to somebody that you watched in ministry and totally miss it? Because none of this fit the bill. He should be in, he should be in a grave. I saw his body last people's bodies. Don't just regenerate like that so quickly. And I think for us, Laura, there are times where I have asked myself this question and some of the hard places, Lord, where are you? I feel like I'm walking through this alone and he has shown up in, uh, in ways that at first I didn't recognize it was him. Maybe it was through um, him sending somebody, a, a per, not even a person that you would normally run to, right, for some support or counsel, but somebody like you feel like randomly calls you out of the blue and speaks such truth from the word into your life. And you're like, gosh, where did that come from? And then mm. God's like, that was me. You know, that was me prompting that or his way of just opening your eyes in creation and speaking truth to your heart. Mm -hmm. If I'm, if I'm strong enough to speak a word and create all of this, I think I can handle what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And there's times where it just shows up in a very unique way to say, Hey, look, Debbie, I am right there in mm -hmm. the midst of it. Amen. You know, as we're thinking about that question, God, where are you in the middle of, of what I'm walking through? Uh, it's important to lay some groundwork uh, based on the word of God to the to the truth and the fact um, that he is with us. Right. But we have to start out with with salvation, Debbie. We have to start out with uh having a relationship, being in relationship with God. And so if we're going to look at the word of God, uh, John 1 12 says to all who received him and to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we can be children of God, but there are two requirements. I love verbs in the word of God because it tells us what to do, right? John 1 12, it just says, if you want to become a child of God, then you need to do two things. You need to receive him and believe him. And the first word is uh, receive, right? We have to have that moment of salvation. And and the word for receive here is actually in the Greek. I hope I say it right. I'm going to say lambano, L-A-M-B-N-O. And it means to embrace to oneself. So we have to um, believe, we have to have salvation. We have to have that moment where we believe who he is, that he is Jesus, the son of God, that he died for our sins, that he was raised to life and he conquered death for us. So we have to have that moment of believing. 
but believing is not enough. We have to receive it too. I love this example, Deb, that I've heard you say before. It's almost like someone's at the door and you can believe right? That the Uber Eats guy is outside the door. You can believe that there is somebody outside the door, but until you open the door and receive what that person has or receive that person into the house, like you're not, <laughs> you're not in relationship. Nothing's going on uh, according to what we're talking about here. So you've got to not just believe, you've got to receive it. You've got to open the door. There's a truth statement from the word of God that goes right down to this. Jesus says over and over again, God says over and over again that I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. He is always with us. He's always with his children wherever we go, even in those moments that we don't see him. I love in the Old Testament as well in the New Testament, there are just scriptures that you hold on to that assure the believer that there is no place you can go Amen. that is apart from his, his spirit. If he's living within you, you can't like shake him loose. Amen. He, he has taken up residence inside of you. So wherever you're going, he's going with you. Now that might be a little bit of a threatening thought, you know, some of the places you might find yourself, but he is there and he's in the new Testament. He talks about, I will never leave you or forsake you. And it actually means I'm never going to loosen my grip on you. Amen. Like I am holding you like a treasure close to my heart. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going away. And, but there are going to be days where you feel like you're not seeing him or hearing him as clearly. I'm not feeling his presence, but that doesn't mean you can't base these things on your feelings. Amen. You have to base them on what does the truth say? Amen. He says he's going to be there. Then you need to, you need to learn. To, I choose to believe this. And as you begin to hold on to that, it settles your emotions down. It helps you to be able, if you don't believe somebody's there, then you're not going to believe they're listening. Amen. You're not going to be listening for them to speak to you. So you got to hold on to that. Just like these two men were literally walking with Jesus right there with them, sharing with them. They didn't recognize him, but it didn't mean he wasn't there. Amen. And so at salvation, he comes, we become his children, right? We believe him, we receive him. He's always with us. Just like you said, that's really the first step to knowing and experiencing having his presence unmasked in your story. The second thing is, if we want to know, uh, you know, where God is or what's going on in our story, another truth that we can hold on to is that God is going to reveal himself to us through his written word, right? Through his inspired word, which is the Logos word. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the Logos. Jesus was the word. Jesus was the Logos. The word lived out, right? And the word was with God. And the word was God. Now, Debbie, you and I, and I know our listeners too, we just have a passion for God's word. And um, I remember when I was considering uh, no longer teaching at the elementary school that I was at. Um, well, actually, I was teaching math and history and social studies and, and Bible and all these things. And I just loved it so, so much. But when I felt like I was going to be uh, transitioning to something different, I remember I went to the principal and I said, I'd like to, um, you know, develop a new role at the school. I would like to have um, a new role be developed, uh, elementary Bible teacher, and I would like to apply for that job. Like, I love teaching math and history, but I just want to teach the Bible to everybody who came through those doors. 
The principal thought it was better that the homeroom teacher taught Bible in order to keep those relationships strong, which of course is the right thing to do. But I was just uh, consumed with, and honestly still feel all these years later, is like I just have this passion to constantly be in the word of God. And I remember when I was thinking about leaving the school, my husband said, if you do leave the school, just think what you could do with all that time that you're usually teaching math and history. You could study God's word all day long, and who knows what's going to happen with that. And I remember thinking, I could study God's word all day long, and honestly, that's kind of what I do. So I just love digging into tearing apart the words in the word of God to see the treasure that he has for us in our everyday life. And one of the reasons I love it so much is because it's, the Bible says it's alive and active and powerful. It encourages us. It corrects us. It uh, transforms us. All of these things, that's what I want. And every time I open up the same scripture, it's a brand new word, but it's the very same word. There is no other thing book we can read that can be this. It's so alive to us. And one of the things that, I mean, honestly, There's so many passages that I feel have been very transformative in my life, but when I studied the armor of God, I think that is one of those places where I saw a visual in the word of God. I took it back to the history of what it looked like in the current day they were living in, what every piece of armor was all about, and then applied it to my own life. It has transformed uh, how I think. It has transformed how I walk. It has transformed how I use my sword. And uh, it has transformed how I guard my heart. Like, I think when I look at a, uh, like a pivotal moment in my life studying the word of God, it was the armor of God. It took me from being a woman who knew how to live by God's word to becoming a woman who knew how to live and fight battle, wage war with God's war, with God's word in this world that we live in, that just so transformational. It's a passion, man. You just can't get enough of it once you start digging in. I'm just mine because I, I, I'm listening to you. I'm watching you actually on Zoom. <laughs> and is, if anyone's ever questioning whether you love the word, it's just we play that that last couple minutes because you are flailing your arms and the arms they're flying yes, they're, they're flaring because you are passionate about this and I think I think the way you and I teach we have been teaching together for many years now and uh, there, there's a compliment right in terms of the different styles different approaches to study and application and and you are very much an inductive studier like you are a bible researcher on steroids you know, you just, you take it to the eighth degree. And I watch you uncover pieces culturally or something um, in a word study that you just get lit up about, you know, because it's revealing God in a very fresh way for you from studying the word itself. The third piece that helps to unmask the heart of God, the presence of God, is is what you would refer to as the rhema word. And uh, that's when the Holy Spirit, the rhema word is more like the quote, the spoken word. It's when Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is speaking to you directly and saying, Debbie Kiever, this is how this logos word applies to your situation right now. Uh, John 15, seven, it's used as the rhema word. If you remain in me, right? That's that word abide. 
stay put, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, my rhema words, the, the words I'm speaking to your heart from my spirit, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you, done for you. Oh, it's not the Santa Claus verse, right? This is the, right. as you are remaining in him and his, he's speaking now into your heart through the person of the Holy Spirit, how this applies. You'll also find that the desires of your heart will reflect his desires. There will be a consistency there. And we know that we're then praying according to his will. And that's when God answers because we're hearing from him, you know, specifically how to pray. I love to take the Logos word and I'll study it to a certain degree. I spend a lot of time saying, God, in what you've just shown me, what are you speaking to my heart now? How do I live this out? How do I apply this in my personal life? And so the two styles between you and I together, um, you tend to, you spend a lot of time on all the doing the examination of the whole scripture. And I spend a lot of time on God, how do I walk this out? Like all this information is great, but I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with it. And so it's that combination. And Jesus spoke with both the Logos word and the Rhema word, yep, yep. you know, it was very balanced. And, and he was actually doing this on this road to Emmaus. He was pulling mm. up from the past, you know, the, the Logos word reminding him of what the prophet said. And then there's this experience that they, that it triggers a memory, you know, for, for them about, oh, this is something he spoke to me. I think of, uh, you know, you talked about your Armor of God series, but you just inhaled that moment of studying the scripture. But for me, I, one of the most profound experiences of the Holy Spirit speaking to me was based on uh, Hebrews 619, where we have that anchor, you know, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And he, he played that out in my life on a boat, with an insufficient anchor in high winds where mm. my anchor was not holding my boat. And I was literally, uh, you know, 50, 50 feet away from crashing into other boats. And so for, for me, that was a teaching that I had studied and now I'm experiencing the very thing that God had told me in the Logos word. Now it's this Rhema word, you know, about how you need to anchor into me, Debbie, and not anything that you try to put together yourself. And I never forget, I can't shake it, you know? So when I've had other experiences that have rocked my boat per se, I, he takes me back to that scripture, that experience that I had, and it triggers this memory of, wow, this is how I apply that scripture into my life. Wow. I am loving all of this. I am loving the fact that like we are unmasking the presence. We are unmasking the presence as we, as we go through these th three things and we take it back to our, our passage here with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And, you know, Jesus was walking, physically walking with these two men but there is a significant difference between what these disciples experienced and what we experience because he was walking with them, but he lives inside of us, right? He was walking with them, but he lives within you. We take it back. You become his child. He lives within you. Even if you don't recognize his presence, like these two did not recognize his presence on the road, even in those moments where we don't recognize his presence, he is always there. The more that you study 
the Bible, the more that you study the Logos word of God, the inspired word of God, the more you hear God's heart for you, the more truth is planted in your life like a seed, then the more your faith is going to grow. Staying connected to the word, staying to God through the word is going to plant those seeds of truth. And the outgrowth of those seeds is going to be a stronger faith. Our faith will grow. He's always with us, man. And, and our faith and belief that that is the case will grow as we spend time in the word. And the more we have those seeds growing and we invite his presence, we invite him to speak to us. So it's like, God, show me, show me how you are there. Show me your, your heart for me in this moment. That's that, that rhema word, God, what does the scripture have to do with what I'm feeling right now? You know, you may think, well, I have, I feel like I've asked him that and he hasn't really answered. You know, he, he promises that if you cry out to him with your whole heart, you seek him and you call to him, he is there and he Amen. will answer. And it, that's a promise. Amen. And so sometimes we are not recognizing how he's answering. You know, we're not seeing his presence for, for the way he is revealing himself, but he wants you to keep coming to him. He wants you to keep calling because he will answer. He will reveal Amen. himself. He's a father that's playing hide and seek with you. And he's got his big shoes sticking out of the curtain. You know, he wants to be found by mm -mm. you. That's his desire. His desire is intimacy with you. He doesn't want his children walking around confused and feeling alone and overwhelmed. Amen. He wants to prove to you that he's there. So unmasking his presence in your life it's not a matter of getting his presence in your life. He's already there. It's just crying out to God. I want to see you more. And that's the challenge. Get open your Bible. Stop, you know, listening to everybody else talk about the word. You know, your this podcast is not your quiet time. You know, this that's podcast right. is us talking about our quiet times. That's right. You know, you need to, you need to be listening. Open the scripture and study it. Study it like a workman who wants to be shown approved and, and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, open your heart. To what does this have to do with me and how do I walk it out? And I'm telling you, as you do that, you're going to, you're going to be like those men on the road where, you know, suddenly you start seeing this is how this, he's here. Amen. And the good news is he doesn't just disappear then. Amen. Right. Because right. he, he is right. present in your life and, and there's not any time day or night that he's abandoned you. That's right. And so that's exciting, man. Talk about a good ending to yes, unmasking, yes. right? Yes. This unmasking the intimacy that he longs to have with his children. So it's been a fun month with our special guests and, and we're moving into <laughs> November. That's hard to believe. November yes, feels crazy. like it was just August, but thank you everybody for joining in on this series. And we're excited about what's coming ahead in the month of Thanksgiving and just gratitude um, but thank you for joining us today. So from Laura Perino and Debbie Kiever at the Beyond the Building um, team, because there's more than just the two of us that are active on this page. We just thank you for being with us. We pray for you. If there's a way we can be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to reach out. And as usual, let's help build this community by sharing this podcast with your friends on whatever platforms that you have all your social media world. Thanks for being here. We love you. God bless you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more.